never say die. Forty going on fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I'm Jason. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I once had an encounter with a swarthy man in a white suit and his little person companion, only they were more interested in fulfilling their own fantasies than mine. Ah, uh, we call those the ice cream men. I call that Uncle Dave. <laughs> I really hope you don't have an Uncle Dave. I do, and I feel bad about that now. Sorry, <laughs> Uncle Dave. I do apologize. You're a good man. And uh, you, you never did anything to me with a fudgesicle. Uncle Jimbo. There you go. Okay. Don't That's have better. an Uncle Jimbo. Right. And speaking of names, there's a new name in the lineup. Hey! We want to welcome Jason from the History of Bad Ideas podcast, which is joining us this week. Uh, he is, um, we've, we're kind of like almost neck and neck with release times. We've been known each other for four or five years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, we've been on the same network for a while now, and uh, all the guys are regular uh, contributors when we do this. We don't do September every year, but uh, we're doing it this year. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, yeah, I got the rest of my hosts coming later on this month, and I appreciate you guys getting the best out of the way first. I appreciate that. Um, Fantasy Island is the best? Uh, uh, no, me. me. <laughs> oh, you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's totally it. Uh, I do have some impressions, too throw out there later this week. Oh, yeah. If if you like impressions, you might find people doing impressions on Geek Life Radio. You'll hear us there 12 noon on on Saturdays. You'll also hear the History of Bad Ideas, the Anime Trap House, the Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, the Smorgasbord. That it? No, I... Don't know. It was something. Yeah. Were you, were you <laughs> carrying something heavy? Is that that's what that made me think? Of. <laughs> yes. That made oh, me think okay. of the monsters. <laughs> it's like standard standard meandering music. God bless it. Oh, pants are done. That? That's my phone. I'm trying to plug it in so we can hear the voicemail that we have coming up. Ah. But before that. Uh, if you're looking for more shows, you can find our back catalog at Google, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We are also on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, all over the place. If you'd like to get in touch with us and give us a show idea that you'd like to hear, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And you can also join our conversation on Discord by clicking the Join Us link in the show notes. And, and uh, It's always hopping over there on Discord. It mm-hmm. is. And if you joined us last week, you know that we are in the middle of a series of voicemails from our new friend in New Zealand. Yes, Evan, even Evan, but he was he was going to. But before we get to that, just also remind you in the show notes is a link to our Google form to uh, help out with the show four hundred. The guess, not guess. What are you guys? You guys are listeners. The listener question show. (laughs) You know. Yeah, I've been working all day. Lots of conversations with work. But uh, yeah, the listener question show. So if there's something that has not been answered and you guys would like to hear about it and get a little shout out on the air, you can go over there and leave us your name if you like and uh, the question that you'd like us to answer. Yeah, maybe yeah, something. It's a, it's a nice uh, break from our typical, like we have a pretty rigid format here, but if you have always been curious about something that doesn't necessarily fit in a then and now, uh, yeah, let us know. We will opine for you. Yeah, something that maybe isn't a whole show, but that is like, yeah, I always so, kind of wondered what pants size they wore. I, I don't know if we want to really get that deep into it. I mean, somebody wants to get deep in our pants. Mm, you can fit several people pretty deep in my pants. <laughs> anyway, now, hey, so Evan, 
When we last left Evan, he was giving us a recipe that involved digging a hole and starting a bonfire. So here's part two. Oh, even here again, I got. Uh, okay, I've got a, I've got a time limit. Okay, uh, okay. So what I was saying was, uh, with the Maori honey, uh, you dig the hole, you get the uh, rocks and the bonfire going, and once that's down, you put baskets of your whole chickens and your porks and your uh, beef and everything, like, all the veggies that you can think of, and you bury that down, and you put. Yeah, you bury it. You, you put dirt over it, and then you leave that for most of... Well, I'm not going to tell you how long. You can probably look on YouTube, but most of the day. And then you uncover that when you think it's all done, and that is just an incredible... You've never tasted anything like Okay, that was one thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, cricket. You got yeah, I think you guys have pretty much got the cricket thing. I've been listening to a lot of how Pat's been describing it. And, you know, you guys are really uh, having a good laugh, and I don't blame you because it really is a, a game for having a laugh. Um, but, you know, I think you guys got it. You know, an over is six bowls from one side, and then the next over is six bowls from the other side other side because there's two bats and as you've probably got worked out by now. Uh, so when you have a maiden over, that means there's no runs and the bowler did a good job. Now when you get a duck, that means that the batsman is out without scoring a run and a golden duck is when the batsman goes out with, in his first bowl. So that's even worse. Uh, a spinner is... Uh, a bowler has the uncanny ability to spin the ball and make it bounce behind the batsman and knock the wickets over. Glorious to see. Uh, uh, bowls, well, you know, the batsman's out because uh, 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 the ball hit the wickets. And a century is 100 runs. Um, yeah, uh, oh, well, okay, okay. Uh, the match. Now, a cricket match is, uh, can be five days. It's a chess game. It really is a psychology game, uh, which, you know, you, you just can't go into. You, you have to know it or you don't. Uh, the one day, the ODI, uh, 50 overs per side. There you have it. That uh, looks like you ran out of time again, but we got some uh, interesting cricket fats. Uh, fa- fats? Cricket? Fats. <laughs> cricket fats. Fats baller, you know. But we finally know what a man yep. means. Now so we have good. ducks and golden ducks I, to deal with. I do understand a little bit better. Just from that little bit of uh, exposition, I kind of got a little bit better idea of, like, real basic. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go to that guy's grill Doesn't out. sound great. It does. Yeah, he started in the last email talking about, or uh, the last voicemail talking about uh, the famous cookbook that, like, everybody in New Zealand gets as a young adult and his favorite holiday recipe. It just, uh, he hit the three-minute mark. Uh, and uh, rather than turn the entire uh, first half into cooking with even, we, we decided to split that up a little bit. So was the cookbook... sounds pretty awesome. It's a similar style to the barbecues you see in South America. Was the cookbook called "To Serve Man"? <laughs> Just asking. Yeah, he was talking about may- a Maori. It's a Maori recipe. Yeah, I wish I could remember what that cookbook's name. I'd just have to go back to the transcription since I got the voicemail. 
But not no, now. Not now. Now it is about, it's about that, that time. time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. All right. <laughs> this week we're going with January 14th, 1977, which was the pilot of the first Fantasy Island. De plane, de plane, boss. All right. So the number one on the Billboard Top 10 was Leo Sayers' You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, followed by Stevie Wonder's I Wish and Rose Royce's Car Wash. Sayers' song would last for 13 weeks on the Top 10. See, normally this would be the point in the podcast where we get into an argument with Patrick about uh, Stevie Wonder. But not only is Patrick not here, but if he wanted to take a shot at I Wish, I wouldn't be arguing with him because it's not a great song. I Wish definitely is not not his top. Can you give me the top five Stevie Wonder songs? Uh, uh, <laughs> Just uh, asking. Higher, higher Ground, higher ground. Superstition. Okay. Um, Duke. Um, no, Grand Fire? Duke. The one that... I'm trying to think of ones I've done karaoke, because well, for once in my life, that's that's a Stevie I've done karaoke. I mean, most people that are getting married would say Ribbon in the Sky. I just called to but... say I love you. Ugh. See, I like that song. Pat shits all over that song. I, I like I that song. Correctly. I like that song. I'll take I'll take the blame for Pat. Um, Isn't she lovely? Uh, I put that in the top five. I appreciate that's fair. it. Uh, you know what? The reason why I ask you is because I literally have no knowledge of music, like none. So when I <laughs> I couldn't name five Stevie Wonder songs. Now that you named six or seven, I think I know three oh. of them. And so the thing good. is, you you know, like um, Sir Duke. If you if yeah yes, if you it. listen to Sir Duke. Uh, all the songs that we just told you about, you're going to go, I know that song. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I or, that. or you go, Will Smith am... stole the, the, the riff from that song. <laughs> Will Smith. Oh, my oh that is a good That's one. one of Don Karaoke. Oh, I forgot yeah, about my, that My one. parents, back when I, like, I forget, it was the mid-80s, they bought me a bunch of cassette tapes for Christmas, and one of them they got me was uh, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonders. And it's a great album. A album. And I, it's like one of those things where I'm kind of like, yeah, Stevie Wonder. Thanks, guys. I I think they just signed up for Columbia House and didn't know what to do with. They may have. Tapes. <laughs> They're like, because I know they Michael. didn't. Uh, Dirty deeds done dirt cheap was not on their want list. <laughs> <clears throat> Matthew, we got you the soundtrack to RoboCop. <laughs> it was only shoot a him penny. in the dick. Yeah, <laughs> and probably still paying them off. Yeah. All right, albums released this week. Ah, the name is Bootsy Baby by Bootsy Rubber Band. It reached number one on Billboard Magazine's top R&B soul albums chart, the first P-Funk release to achieve this goal. Mm-hmm. The album that was, was... Uh, uh, one a uh, big uh, George Clinton-produced album. Uh, this album was <laughs> produced by George Clinton and William Bootsy <laughs> Collins and arranged by Bootsy and Casper. I thought names... you were done. I was not looking at the notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> names William Collins uses to refer to his various roles. Did you include yeah. this? I, I was like... Your... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please. What were you saying? Uh, I was going to say, did you include that because we're based in Cincinnati and Bootsy Collins is like a giant celebrity here? Did you know that? No. Ah, You did not know that. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. Thank you for subscribing to Bootsy Collins facts. Yeah. (laughs) Bootsy Collins is huge in Cincinnati. And (laughs) I have no idea why. He lives here. And uh, he's in like a couple Hall of Fames here for music. I have no idea. Um, But yeah, Bootsy Collins is big in Cincinnati. So thank you. Is he from Cincinnati? I have no idea. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I he just, is. I just I imagine um, him uh, like him walking into places like Homer did after he bowled the perfect game. Did someone say perfect game? It's Bootsy Collins. Uh, 
trying to see where he was born at. Um, I kind of equate. Uh, he was uh, born in oh, Cincinnati. Okay. Look at that. You're uh, learning music facts. Yeah. She's, uh, he got his name Bootsy from his mom because she said, quote, because you look like a Bootsy. I don't know what that is. Because you look like I'm a Bootsy. I'm assuming princess. it's a shoe. What's a... I guess. You look like the bottom of my shoe, know. kid. You're a Bootsy. Good thing she wasn't <laughs> like, you look like a Changla. <laughs> He's Changla Collins. I don't think that would, that doesn't roll off no, the tongue no. as well. No. No. All right, moving on. Also, David Bowie's Low was released this week, his 11th studio album and first foray into electronic and ambient styles of music. While reviews from critics were divided, Bowie's debut into what would eventually become influential in synthwave and electronica. Susie Goldring of BBC Music commented in 2007, Without Low, we'd have no Joy Division, no Human League, no Cabaret Voltaire, and I bet no Arcade Fire. The legacy of Low lives on. Yeah, you can definitely listen to Low. It's a it's a two disc, two disc. It's a two uh, record set, and like one is just instrumental stuff. Yeah, Low is actually one of the albums I don't actually know a whole lot about from Bowie. It's a, not a Bowie period. I'm particularly. I listened into. to some of it while I was yeah. putting the notes together, and you can definitely tell. Oh wow, Depeche Mode listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For me, David Bowie is, is Ziggy Stardust and the uh, Spiders from Mars. Well, uh, Space Odyssey and Ziggy Stardust. I think everyone. Is into one or the other or both? Oh man, who sold the world is pretty big too. Yeah, that got. I heard there was a good remix, well, a re a redo on that one. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain kind of brought that back into the popular culture. Not that well, it I was ever, talking about the uh, whole like album. It. Like that's right. also got width of a circle. After all, she shook me cold. What are, what are my things that the I really was... do? Like it, it, man who sold the world. This is one of the songs where it happened on was when. I'm listening to it, and and Bowie comes on singing it, and someone's like, "Oh man, who's this guy who covered Nirvana?" This is, and I'm just like, "No, no." no. no. <laughs> I mean, the, the the Nirvana version is fantastic, mm-hmm. but you should know your history before you make a comment like that. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to movies then. The top movie in the land was '76's King Kong, starring Jeff Bridges, Charles Grodin, and Jessica Lange. Kong was a commercial hit for Paramount and would gross $26 million in 10 days after its worldwide release at only 1,500 theaters. It would be knocked out of the number one spot by the film Rocky on January 26th. Yep. And then Rocky would roll for like the next three months, and then it'd be, then it'd be like another movie, Rocky, another movie, Rocky, another movie, Rocky, and then Star Wars. Oh, that makes sense, because we're super early 77, and Rocky came out super late 76. Mm-hmm. I like that King Kong, by the way. What were you saying? I was going to say, it's interesting. Like back then in January, that was not the month that movies went to die. I mean, you had Rocky mm-hmm. and you had King Kong, which are, well, I mean, at the time they were going to be pushed by the studios, mm-hmm. right? Because they thought King Kong was going to, well, obviously King Kong did well, but they thought, <laughs> you know, this was a huge tentpole thing. It's just kind of interesting. Back then in January, it was not a bad month to release Yeah, it seemed like more people were like, they, the focus was there. People are done with the holidays. Let's just give them something they can sit and relax and just watch. Mm-hmm. Yes. An indoor activity going to the, the yeah. cinema. Yeah, and, and back then, since, you know, there wasn't really home theaters, systems, you know, VCRs and whatnot, really, you went to the theater or you watched TV, and that was that was your, your source of entertainment. For ABC that kind of movie stuff. of the afternoon. Right? Yeah, now if you want to stay inside because it's cold, you don't even want to get in the car to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. No. VOD. So, 
Right uh, Peter Finch was an English-born Australian actor that was most well-remembered for his role as Howard Beale in the 1976 film Network, uh, famous for the quote, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. He appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson to promote Network on January 13th, and the very next day he died of a heart attack in the lobby of the Be- Beverly Hills Hotel. He was posthumously awarded for his portrayal of Howard Beale, and is also the first person to have this honor. Currently, the only other actor to be awarded an Oscar after their passing is Heath Ledger. Wow. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. It's been years since I've seen it. I couldn't even tell you the plot. It's like... I'm interested. So when did Network... When was Network released? Uh, 1976, 77, right around there. I was just trying to see because if he's promoting it on January 13th, I'm just wondering when it came. It was released in theaters. Yeah, I think okay because he had King Kong. And- so it was released. I want to say a couple months after that. So he was doing the role, and they kind of like weeks later they released it. But it, if you get a chance to see it, it is a great movie. The whole premise is he's a. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Joel. Uh, release date November twenty seventh, nineteen seventy six. Okay. Wow. So they were still pushing movies months after they were released. That back then. <clears throat> that yeah. makes sense because movies stayed in theater uh, a lot longer. I can remember even like in the early nineties than mm-hmm. they do now. Well, once the, the uh, VHS rolled around, then it was just a race to get into the homes. Yeah. And that's even picked up now. Uh, breakneck pace, you know, it used to be like movie would be in the theaters and you'd have to wait six months before you could get it on home video. Then it was like that's three like months a week. And now it's same, same day, day depending on <laughs> right. Hell, I'm mad that Shang-Chi is not in uh, on Disney Premium. I'm like, come on, right. can I go to the theaters mm-hmm. for this? Damn it. All right, January 13th was a trade-off, as on that day, the same day we lost Peter Finch, we gained an Orlando Bloom. He was named after the 16th century composer Orlando Gibbons, and his full name is our acronym of the week, OJBCB, which would be Orlando Juice Box Cock Bloom. <laughs> He had, he had an upsetting. That's yeah, correct, you're, you're close. It? It's he had an upsetting upbringing. <laughs> yeah, he knew uh, Joel's uncle Dave. Oh no, uh, Jimbo, <laughs> Uncle Jimbo. <laughs> I wish to go back in the conversation. No, unfortunately, you're wrong. His actual full name is Orlando Jonathan Blanchard Copeland Bloom. Ah, Juice Box yes, Cock is a nickname. that was after after uh, after. Got it. Preschool. I'm just going to roll with that. <laughs> oh, let's go past. All let's right. go to TV. That's also a great band name. But so anyway. top shows in the land are Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, and Three's Company. And all three of those, I was looking at them, were uh, all run on ABC. So they had a nice little moneymaker going with the three of those. Wow. Those are big mm-hmm. shows, too. So I really hope they never try to remake Three's Company. <laughs> I don't know how they do it these days without somebody. I don't know how they do anything these There's days no without way. people complaining. What? It wouldn't make sense anymore because, uh, yeah, I, the, I don't. I don't think there's a stigma attached to living with uh, like a co-ed roommate. It's like, yeah, so what? You don't have to pretend you're anything. Just pay mm-hmm. your fucking rent. Um, mm. CNN has a TV show on the history of sitcoms. Have no. you guys seen this? No, oh but I'm God. intrigued. It's uh, Sunday nights. Uh, they've had nine episodes, I think, and it is fantastic. And they actually just had, and each week they have like a, a topic. Um, and I think this week was, I think it was this week or last week, they had Outsiders and Three's Company was on it because of Tripper on it because he was an outsider in the type of, you know, you don't see that normally on a TV show back in the day. 
um, you know, him faking being a homosexual and that and living with women and that. And uh, yeah, they've done a great job. They've hit Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, and Three's Company. Like throughout the span of these nine episodes, they keep going back to these. Um, it's, it's a really great show. Uh, and they have all the comedians out past and present talking about it. Um, but yeah, they just had a huge one on Three's Company about it. Nice. I got to take up sleeping as a hobby because when you said outsiders, I was thinking, so he was a greaser. He was telling Pony Boy to stay gold. <laughs> Terrible because that's I, exactly I, I was they, I was trying to figure out where John Ritter was in Outsiders. <laughs> yeah, I was, so not just me. You're going to die, Pony. Um, you know, Three's Company, they could potentially pull it off if they did a swap where – Instead of a straight guy living with two girls and the landlord being suspicious, having, uh, you know, the like, it's possible. I had it in my brain and then it just went away. So like, like a gay co- couple in Texas trying to rent a, an apartment and trying to pretend that the third roommate they get is one of their girlfriends or something. Right, right. Okay, I got you. I'm yeah. picking up All what right. you're putting down. It's a stretch, but. Okay. So January 15th sees the arrival of Bill Murray to the cast of Saturday Night Live, replacing Chevy Chase, who decided to pursue other interests. Murray would perform on Saturday Night Live until 1980, when he, uh, after when he landed his first starring role in the summer camp comedy Meatballs. We did, we did that show. We did a Bill Murray movie. And we realized so. Meatballs was kind of a dull movie. It wasn't great. It was better than Meatballs 2. <laughs> what House is party. it? <laughs> Meatballs 3? Did they go uh, that far? Uh, oh, yes. they probably did, didn't they? I think they did. If they went to there was like Porky's I'm four, they must have gone to Meatballs three. Someone House Party is a sentence I've never said before in my life. It's kind of weird. All right, so this week also saw the debut of Circus of the Stars. This annual TV special oh. uh, featured John Forsyth, George Hamilton, and Bernadette Peters as the ringmasters, among others, and starred Ed Asner. <laughs> ready for this? Ed Asner, Billy Barty. Linda Carter, Rue McClanahan, <laughs> Abe Vigoda, and Pat Morita as just some of the performers. Circus of the Stars would last for 19 years and end in 1994. What the hell thing is Abe Vigoda doing on that show? I What's searched Alan? to find out what Abe Vigoda did. Trapeze, yeah. right? He was trapeze. He was lion tamer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally think he was probably just the sad clown. And they're like, oh, he's a sad clown. He's got no makeup on. He's just sad clown. But Pat Morita, Billy Barty, I mean, these, and then this rolled for a while because I remember it being a big thing every year. It was mm-hmm. on TV Guide, Circus of the Stars. Till 1994, though. Holy yeah, I mean, you, when you look at the people who have appeared, you've got, like, it starts as, like, Lonnie Anderson and B. Arthur, people you'd expect, and you're like, downtown Julie Brown, O.J. Simpson. <laughs> I mean, let's put this in perspective. We were in college when it finally yep. stopped. Uh-huh. What the hell? I thought it ended while I was still in, like, grade school, because I remember, vaguely remember it being a thing, but not, yep. yeah, well, I was hyped blown. for it when I was a kid. Alfonso Ribeiro was on it like every year. I could see that. H- him and Brooke Shields. Oh, Brooke Shields was everywhere in the 70s. Okay, so take that cast that you have there. In 1994, the last episode had Harry Anderson, Scott Bayo as the ringmaster, Leslie Nielsen as the real uh, ringmaster, and Phyllis Diller was in it. And David Leisure. David Leisure. And Mario Lopez. Yikes. And Alfonso Ribeiro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I remember yeah. almost every year I watched it, Alfonso Ribeiro was on it. And Adam West. I mean, 
Jeez, old Pete. I bet you Adrian Zemed was on there at least once. <laughs> at least once. At least. Oh, Lorenzo oh, Lamas. Yeah, he has yeah. to be on there. In the 80s, yeah. he was probably a staple for the 80s. Ah, time for this, do the star thing. Call Lorenzo. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Is it time? <laughs> so that's TV. Yes. Oh, no. Sorry. I was looking up. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. I was looking up Circus of the Stars in 1994. Uh, he sports. went down the rabbit hole. Yes, I did. I just apologize. Sports. Uh, on January 19th, uh, Ernie Banks, the only good cub, was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. Nicknamed Mr. Cub and Mr. Sunshine, Banks was voted the greatest cub ever by a Chicago Sun-Times poll. In 1982, was the first Chicago Cup to Chicago Cub to have his number retired. That's uh, you guys are Chicago. See, it's interesting. Normally, going on a Chicago-based podcast and badmouthing the Cubs <laughs> would be a risky play. What? But, uh, Mike and Joel don't care about sports. Mm-hmm. I'm a Sox fan, and Pat's from Texas. You know what? I was going to lay it out there. I'm I'm a I like the White Sox better than the Cubs. So I, I'm old school Irish Chicago Southside. So I, I grew up watching the Sox, and my wife's a Cardinals fan. So we are not a Cubs house. See, Laura loves the White Sox, uh, doesn't care for the Cubs, and I was raised on Kansas City Royals. I was raised so. on the North Side, North Side of Chicago. Grew up watching the Cubs, just kind of like yay Cubs. But you trash talk them to me, I'm gonna be like, all right, that's just like your opinion, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm Cincinnati. I'm a Reds fan, so we don't like anybody in our division except the Pirates because we feel bad for them. <laughs> Nobody likes them. Arrgh. Arrgh. Um, let's see here. And I think Joel told uh, you guys to put this one in there for me because I cannot say people's names. Well, I was, I was trying to get a good so a good parallel with Patrick. <laughs> so let's try this. Here we go. Luciano, Ray Sacconi. That we'll roll yeah, with that. Okay, was an Italian footballer who was a fast midfielder and known for his tenacity and stamina. He was known for his sense of humor and was nicknamed, I'm just going to say the English version, the Blonde Angel uh, for the color of his hair. He debuted uh, for Pro Partricia, I'm going with that, in 1968, moved to Foggio, which he helped with promotion from Series B to Series A in the 1969-70 season. On January 18th, 1977, Richard, whatever, was shot dead from a close-range shotgun blast while pretending to rob a friend's jewelry shop as a practical joke. Absorbed? Wow, wow. yeah, that, that took a turn <laughs> right there at the end. I Holy I shit. found that, and it was just like, this has to be in the, this has to be in the twee. Yeah, so I dug into it, and I, I looked it up. Apparently, they were in Rome, him and then one of his buddies, and they came, they were like, hey, there's my buddy's jewelry shop. Let's let's put on our hoodies, block our faces, and pretend we have guns in our pockets. We'll pretend to rob him. It'll be real funny. So these two ding-dongs go in there. Unfortunately, they didn't know is that uh, Luciano's friend who ran the jewelry store had been robbed like two, three weeks earlier and had bought a shotgun since then. So they walk into the store, both of them pretending like they have guns in their hoodies. The friend, as soon as the shotgun came out, was like, whoa, hands in the air. We're not, nothing going on, nothing going on. Uh, Luciano did not pick up on that and took a shotgun blast straight to the chest. He died before he got to the hospital. And the rumor from the guys that were there said his last words were, it was a joke. So when in Rome, don't pretend to rob your right. friend's store. I think that's the way that <laughs> phrase should end. And then he became the blonde angel for real. I know. I read that. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a cool thing. Hard left turn. Yeah. Ouch. 
All right, so that's the tweet. Uh, play us off, keyboard, Joel. Nah, 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 nah. All right, that's good. Welcome to Fantasy Island. The plane. Yes, so 1977, the show this week, we we're talking about Fantasy Island, which ran from 1977 to 1984. It's an American fantasy drama series created by Gene Levitt. It's aired on ABC, starred Ricardo Monteblon as mysterious Mr. Rourke, and Hervé Villachez as his less mysterious assistant, Tattoo. Guests were granted fantasies for a price, which I'd found out was $50,000. Yep, that was the standard price for the business, but frequently Mr. Rourke would give worthy people a, a big discount, sometimes free or like fifty dollars. <clears throat> yeah, he would. That was definitely a thing that happened. So fifty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy seven is equivalent to about two hundred twenty five thousand dollars today. Hmm. Fun fact: quarter of a mil for your any fantasy to be twisted and turned into a lesson. Yep. Right. Uh, the same year. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a one-season revival of the series that aired in 1998, uh, while a horror film prequel was released on February 14, 2020. And then they also announced that there was a reboot, which we will be getting to later on in 2021. Uh, also, before it became a TV series, Fantasy Island was introduced in 1977 and 78 through two made-for-television movies. Oh. Yeah. Uh, both started had Ricardo Monteblon, and they all took place on this mysterious island somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Before we started on here, I put in some people who kind of got their start on Fantasy Island. So first off, we got Michelle Pfeiffer, which before this, her claim to fame was 1979's Delta House, which was the Animal House TV show that they made. Huh. Yeah. So she popped up in season four, and the role she was, she had one single line in the episode where she said, who is he, Naomi? which then earned the then 23-year-old model the Screen Actors Guild card that she wanted. So there's trivia for you. Gina Davis also showed up before this. She was in uh, Sidney Pollock's critically acclaimed hit Tootsie as the soap opera actress April Page. And the episode that she was in was uh, Don Juan's Last Affair, The Final Adieu. Uh, she was a, she's a fashion buyer, Whitney Clark, determined to end her affair with her married boss. Uh, she was problem was is her co-star was Alejandro Ray, and she was rather taller than him. So all the scenes that they filmed with her had to be filmed on a slope. So she'd be standing at the bottom of the hill, and he'd be standing at the top. Uh, wow. Fun fact: after she filmed this, she actually shot him with a bow and arrow. Wait, what? what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's an archer. <laughs> so it's I, I know, but at the same time, it's like it's. I'm not. Okay, it sounds plausible. Hey Ray, just sit over there. I'll be right back. I mean. If I do, you know, this this football player was doing great until he faked a robbery and got shot in the chest. <laughs> See? Okay. And also, we've been super extra careful since my wife actually is an archer, and uh, the, we've got a target in the backyard to, if she's firing, I have to, like, get her attention before I come around that side of the house, because I do not want to get arrowed. <laughs> Message for you, sir. Nice. Uh, LeVar Burton also starred in a 1983 episode called The Edward and the Extraordinary Miss Jones. Before this, he uh, was had his breakthrough appearance as Kunta Kinte in 77's Roots. Yeah, it's pretty pretty close together. Uh, well, it was 83, it looks like, was his episode. Yeah, 77 83. I'm looking through the names, and I'm shocked you missed one, because it was on one of the episodes I watched. 
Ernie oh. Hudson, one of his earliest roles, was, oh. was on this as well in an uh, episode called Voodoo. It was, it did not age well. <laughs> no, I miss. I just, I just pulled a couple because it's. I mean, with honestly, with the list of people that I had, it's never ending, right? For sure. I, I was just like, why do I recognize that guy? Because he didn't have the mustache. Ooh. And a young Ernie Hudson was fucking ripped because he had his shirt off for like the whole episode. Onions to make you fart big time. So Lonnie Anderson, or before this, she was Jennifer Marlowe on WKRP in Cincinnati, which Yay. I don't think they could ever remake that. They tried. They did try. Wasn't good. No. Uh, the episode that she was in was called The Love Doctor, Pleasure Palace and Possessed that popped up in 1980. She plays Kim Holland, a movie star seeking a weekend getaway where no one will recognize her. She is sent up a jungle river, falls for a doctor far from civilization, but it turns out they have generators, TVs, and we're all Kim Holland fans also. Irony! <laughs> You're known everywhere. Susan Lucci uh, was Erica Kane and All My Children for her entire life. And <laughs> was on the episode called Songwriter and Queen of the Soaps. So guess which one she was in? Irony! She plays as Gina Edwards, a soap opera actress trying to stop her evil character from coming to life. And winning an Emmy before. I was, I was <laughs> going for the same joke. <laughs> I have it on a post-it note right here. This episode wanted to get Daytime Emmy Award. Yeah, her fantasy. I wish an Emmy. Poor Susan Lucci. I know. She got it eventually. Yeah. She should have done more stuff with Adrian Zemed. What's your obsession with Adrian Zemed tonight? Did Adrian Zemed sell ice cream in your neighborhood? Hanging out with your Uncle Dave. Jimbo. 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 <laughs> Jimbo. You realize now that you've made it clear that it bothers you, it's always going to be Uncle Dave. Also, uh, finally, Tori Spelling. Uh, her claim to fame at this point was an 81, 1981 appearance at age eight in the TV show Vegas, produced by her father, Aaron Spelling. <gasps> what? Bum, bum, no. bum. Uh, Eternal Flame, Date with Bert. Uh, if Island Fantasy's creator, Spelling may have had something to do with her appearing twice in one year, but in two seasons. First as Christy, a scheming little girl who cons a movie star out of his autograph. And then as Laurie Shannon, who wants to ask God why her parents were killed. I'm sure, that was a real laugh riot. Because they were assholes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was God's answer. <laughs> I, think, I think that 81 appearance was post-boob job. I'm pretty sure. Uh yeah, they had a lot of people come back more than once, which is strange to me. But... You know, it happened a lot. It happened in like um, Love Boat and that sort of thing. So it was a they would have characters return as different characters. So there wasn't any continuity in anything back then. Yeah, yeah. it's strange. I, I suspect that the network, <clears throat> uh, because they didn't want either Hervé Villachay or Ricardo Montalban, like the network fought them on <clears throat> casting either of them. Uh, and the series became incredibly popular, and they're just like, fuck it, if you can make it work with these two, put whoever you want on the show. Well, and of course, as you'll get to, I'm sure, here in the cast list, uh, Hervé didn't last the full run. No, he, uh, well, Ricardo Monteblan lasted, lasted from 77 to 84, 154 episodes. Hervé Villachez's tattoo <clears throat> lasted 132 from 77 to 83, which was taken over then by Wendy Shawl. For 24 episodes, for uh, 81 to 82, she played Julie. Yeah, she was on at the same time as Tattoo. Yeah, yeah. They, there was a little mm -hmm. bit of crossover on that one. And then Christopher Hewitt, Mr. Belvedere. Yes! 
showed up for 22 episodes to finish it out from 83 to 84. Yeah, he was the direct replacement for Tattoo because uh, instead of running up the tower to ring the bell, he just had like a rope that he would yank. No, he had like a button. Oh, you're right. It was a button, yeah. not a rope. I By like... the way... Oh, sorry, oh go ahead. I, I, I like to think of it as Lawrence is actually Mr. Belvedere and like it just... Mr. Belvedere is a uh, sequel to Fantasy Island. Agreed. Oh. Agreed. In my world. Um, I was just going to say, I looked up this this Fantasy Island reboot that I wish I would have watched an episode from, from 98. <clears throat> and I'm kind of curious about it because you've got Malcolm McDowell, Maid Shinomic, and Fivish Finkel. Mm-hmm. Fivish Finkel? It, yeah. We'll get to, uh, obviously, when we talk of the brand new one, the 2021, I kind of wanted the 2021 to be like the 1998 one. And it was not. We'll get back to that then, I guess. Because I love Malcolm McDowell. Like, he's yeah. a personal favorite of mine. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, the plane that was used in this show was up for auction in, in the 1990s. It was autographed by all the guest stars. Another bit of trivia on this is that before the show, this plane was owned by Richard D. Bach, the author of Jonathan Livington Steagall. It's eh, trivia. It's kind of weird. Trivial. Trivial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whenever guests were arriving on Fantasy Island, Tattoo would run up the bell tower, ring the bell, and announce the plane. After he left the series, as we said, Lawrence, Mr. Belvedere, would simply push a button next to him, which would ring the bell. Lazy uh, bastard. If I just read ahead, I would have seen that it wasn't a rope. <laughs> yeah. Get right. a rope. Yeah, uh, I didn't Air... watch that far, but I distinctly remember, because, well, we'll get into that, but th this was a big show for my family. Yeah. Aaron Spelling admitted that the original pitch was a joke. Spelling and production partner Leonard Goldberg were pitching ideas to ABC executive Brandon Stoddard. After he rejected all of their plans, at least six of them, Spelling blurted out, What do you want? An island that people can go to and have all their sexual fantasies be realized? Brandon Stoddard said, That sounds great. Do that. I think I saw a movie called Fantasy that. Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, creepy. <laughs> and uh, he's not wrong. This is... Well, though popular with the public, Hervé Village has proved to be a difficult actor on the show where he continually propositioned women and quarreled with the producers. He was eventually fired after demanding a salary on par with that of his co-star, Ricardo Monteblan. Village was replaced with Christopher Hewitt of Mr. Belvedere and the producer's fame. So I looked a little bit into the history of this Hervé Villages propositioning women. And uh, when he played Nick Knack, apparently Roger Moore in an interview Said they asked him, you know, we heard, hey, we heard Hervé Village is like a real player on this set. You know, do you have, you got any numbers, got any, you know, deep, you know, details for us? And he's like, it is 100% true. He had a sign on his dressing room door that said, sex instructor, first lesson free. And Roger Moore, of all people, was like, probably about 35 women. Wow. Was he like a tripod or something? I, that short? Maybe, uh, maybe a monopod? Just spin him? I don't know. <laughs> Probably just confidence in the French accent. Who knows? I mean, he was in Richard Elfman's Forbidden Zone, so maybe that was it. They were like, oh, yeah. I don't know if yeah, Forbidden that, Zone would be a lot of play. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to watch a movie I was in? <laughs> this don't make a lick of sense. And finally, in 1998, ABC revived the series on a Saturday time slot. The role of Mr. Rourke was played by Malcolm McDowell in the revival. And in contrast to this show, the supernatural aspect of his character and of Fantasy Island itself 
was emphasized from the start, along with a dose of dark humor. Now, that's interesting to me because Malcolm McDowell was a re- uh, very particular recurring character on Fantasy Island. Yep, he played Satan. Yep. Is Ricardo Montron Mr. Rourke from the original, is he a demon or something else? I think here's the thing about Fantasy Island. Like watching back, like the scripts and the acting in general are not good, but I found it compelling because of the enigmatic nature of Mr. Rourke. Mm-hmm. Like he'd constantly talk about knowing people who were dead hundreds of years ago, just dropping it as though it's nothing. Uh, he has this ability. Like they don't attribute it to the island. They say Rourke is capable of these things. And he reminds me of, like, the strange uh, character you meet in a video game or a role-playing game that is a complete enigma and has these unexplained powers, and you find them compelling because they're never explained. He's almost like a force of nature, a mythic, like a Roman god or something. Well, and and the once you get to the new series, and if you watch... I went ahead and watched the movie because I, I wanted to see the movie and gave me a reason. And and you watch the series, the original series, like in the first, I watched the first episode, the last episode, and then the one, the nightmare episode that everybody talks about. And in the first episode, there's some subtle, like, uh, hints that he's some sort of a deity of some sort. Maybe not a god, but some sort of, like, uh, yeah, deity is the best word for it. But then in other incarnations of it, it's more of he's a caretaker, and the island itself is what's... He's just kind of like the yeah. genie. We're going to we're going to revisit this because I think that you take the one thing that makes this show compelling <laughs> and uh, fuck it up. Yeah, the uh, in the first episode, you get that first little hint that uh, Mr. Wark is not um, not human or not human like. He's you know an angel, whatever he is. With the when they come in and they find the sword on the desk. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Mm. Yep. Yeah. They make the comment, oh, you know, it's it was owned by, I don't know who he said, is he William the Conqueror? No. Uh, oh, shoot. Julius Caesar? I, uh, no. no. Fuck, I had it until... Uh, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Yeah. That's yeah. 100% oh. correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was owned by Alexander the Great. Oh, how do you know that? I have it on good, you know, I have it on good information. So you get that little tip, like, wait a second. Well, and in both the new series and this series, time doesn't really move the same way for the Rourke family or necessarily the people that live there, it seems like. Like, they age very slowly or don't age at all, one or the other. I'm not mm-hmm. sure which. I see Mr. Wark having, like, sitting and having a cup of coffee with the uh, like the FBI guy from Half-Life. So, well, I'm curious, because I already sort of previewed that uh, this was a big show for my family. Is this Was this big in anybody else's childhood? I remember my parents watching it, but not, like, religiously. Like, I remember it being on in the background when I was growing up. But I don't remember it being like, oh my gosh, it's must see TV. I I watched it my on my own growing up. Like it it wasn't like the you know I was more of like sitcoms and uh, you know Doctor Who and stuff like that. But if if I ever saw that it was on, I would watch it because you know there's that kind of that fantasy wish fulfillment fun of the show. And so yeah, I, I, not my first time for sure. How about you, no. Mike? I this was on after uh, Love Boat. 
<laughs> so that should, so the fact I know that should probably tell you where I sit on this. Okay, so you and I were in the same sort of boat where it was like, it, it's on every week. Like, maybe you're not talking about it in the week. You're not super fans with Fantasy Island t-shirts. But <laughs> this was a thing. Yeah, it was, you know, you watch Love Boat and you got, you know, the uh, gopher and all of them, Captain Steuben doing their goofiness. And then after that, I, I like this little supernatural twist to it. Uh Fantasy Island was always a thing for me. Like I said, it wasn't. I wouldn't go to school and be like, "Did you catch the Fantasy Island?" Because that would just get your ass kicked. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed the show. I remember, like, we would go out of our way, like, if we were at Grandma's house on whatever it was, Saturday or Sunday night, it was on. We'd watch it there, mm-hmm. which is a little surprising to me now, watching it as an adult, because this shit gets fucking dark. And I just saw here that the Love Boat and Fantasy Island had a crossover. Everything had a crossover back then, but yes, they did. Wow. I mean, it makes sense if they were on one right after the other, and one's a boat and one's an island. But <laughs> you can see Stewie. Look at look out there. Look at that fantastic island. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and yes, it's dark. I, I forgot how dark it was too. Right? It's like, yeah, let's sit down and watch a sh- uh, family entertainment with Grandma. What's this one about? Oh, it's uh, about a cheerleader who got raped in college and wants to convince her three friends that they're about to be murdered because they didn't protect her. A la Friday the Thirteenth style. What? You know? <laughs> how about you, Jason? Did you? you what do you think about these? Is this as lighthearted as you anticipated it being? No, uh, I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, Real quick, Ricardo Montalban did say in an interview he thought um, that Mr. Rourke was a fallen angel angel, and the island itself was an aspect of purgatory. Ooh, that's a good pull. Um, So (laughs) I watched, I had another one on today. I've been going through the original because, oh, anything to get the new one out of my mind. Um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, there was one today that I was watching that had a magician slash escape artist, and he went to the island with his wife, and basically his fantasy was to have the ultimate escape, and they put him on Devil's Island, basically, like the worst prison you can have, and uh, 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 sorry, uh, Mr. Rourke thought he was made the guards think that he was a murderer, and he went there, and he tried to escape, and he couldn't escape and he realized he couldn't do it. And, you know, Mr. Rourke comes and visits him on this prison and he's like, okay, Mr. Rourke, you won. I give up. I can't escape. And he's like, oh, there's no winning. Like you either escape or you're going to stay here forever. And he's like, well, my wife knows that I'm here. And he's like, yeah, we'll just tell her that you died. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> Yeah. The fantasies harsh. have to come to an, a natural conclusion. Yeah. Right. And so there was aspects of it like it was it was shocking like how like dark it got and i was fine with that i enjoyed it but yeah i was expecting a lot more lightheartedness uh with it at least i thought i remembered it being more lighthearted but obviously i didn't catch some of that stuff growing up yeah when i was going into this i'm like oh it's gonna be nice i remember watching you know there was an episode where somebody like there was a mirror and they looked in the mirror and could see like their future like wife and you know the, where they were kind of headed. And it was kind of this like love story, happy thing. I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be kind of nice, kind of a lighthearted thing. And then, yeah, that first episode that Josh was talking about, I, I immediately went, nope, this is not what I remembered. And I got kind of excited to revisit it. Yeah. And then the other the other story in that one was uh, with um, what's his name? The villain from. Oh, crap. He was in the Schwarzenegger film where they went to Mars. Total Recall? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm yeah. Um, shoot. I'm drawing a blank on his name. And the only name I can think of is John Saxon, who was in another episode I watched. Yeah. Uh, no, that, but that, but the Jake, whole thing is like. Michael Ironside. 
No, 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 no. not Michael Ironside. Oh, no, he was like the corporate. He was Dick uh, in. It's Ronnie Cox. I, I've been muted Thank this you. whole time yelling Ronnie Cox. <laughs> Ronnie Cox. Yes. With, the alcoholic with... lawyer. Yeah, yeah, the alcoholic lawyer with that hair. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I was like, but you're, I was just like you guys. I was expecting this lighthearted. Oh, I got my wish. Oh, my life is fulfilled. Oh, I just wanted this goofy thing. And it's like, no, guess what? Moral lesson from death. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. what the hell, Mr. Rourke? I, it was like the acting in general was not good enough where I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to this is going to be a thing. I'm going to go back to watching Fantasy Island. But I'm glad I re-experienced it as an adult to see. I mean, this was your must-see TV in the early 80s. And to know this was family <laughs> entertainment and it went this dark almost every episode. Uh, I actually think that's really cool to re-experience it and realize that. Well, and it also means that the show had legs. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, well, it's this fantasy where you go and good things happen and then people go home and whatever. But you could literally tell any story you wanted. You just had to come up with the characters, the the base fantasy, and then just kind of figure out how to make that tie in loosely with the other story or, you know, whatever else was going on. And you could literally keep the show going as long as you had interesting stories to tell and something stupid for Tattoo to do in between each of the stories. <laughs> I'm doing magic. I'm learning to play the piano. I murdered somebody. I have to hide the body. <laughs> that is the worst tattoo impersonation I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that sounded like the uh, the jan- janitor from uh, the early uh, oh, Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler albums. Yeah. yeah. So what about you, Jason? You got any other insight on this one um so i'll I'll, again go into my disdain for the new one soon but anyways uh this one compared to the new one like i felt like this was a real island um like people were there it was lively like it felt like a real place that you could go obviously for two hundred fifty thousand dollars uh and get your like it felt like you were in a good environment i thought the series did a good job with that like you said the acting was not great it wasn't it was you know, typical 1970s, 80s network TV acting. But like overall, I felt like at least the environment was good. I thought they did a good job with all of that. Um, The one thing uh, I had a question on, everybody on that island, they all have fantasies. So Mr. Rourke is basically just going around to each person, making sure their fantasies are correct. And we are only in the show, we're only getting a glimpse into two of them or three of them sometimes, right? Yeah, pretty much. And I don't know if you noticed this, but they uh, purposely structured the two fantasies where the group A never interacts with group B. So in syndication, if they wanted to make it two half-hour shows instead of a one-hour show, they could completely separate the fantasies and have them mix and match them. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Hmm, it's pretty clever. So, yeah, that, that last deep dive was my last comment. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would go back and, like you guys were saying, like, dig deep into the show. But if I was kind of hanging out and not sure what to watch, I might actually watch a few other episodes. Yeah. Now now that Hulu is like, would you like to watch Fantasy Island? Would you? I think, you know, I, I definitely would. I could put it on in the background and probably forget what I was doing because, again, acting's not great, but the stories themselves are probably were great water cooler conversation on Monday morning. There's yeah, a lot- it's interesting to, to, to revisit it and look at it through kind of like your parents' eyes, so to speak. It's because it's a different show. 
Yeah. What were you saying, Jason? Uh, there's a lot more threesomes in this and orgies than I thought there was going to be on TV. <laughs> like, they alluded I mean, to a lot of them. It was the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, but on network TV? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that's right. I, I wonder if that's the swinger culture becoming so uh, pervasive in society that they felt like, hey, it's the thing people this age are doing, so we should address it. Mm-hmm. What episode did I skip? I know, right? Uh, there was one that this nerdy type guy, uh, or nerdy by 1980 standards, uh, he basically got a harem. Like, he was just like the prince or the king, and basically he had <laughs> anything he wanted. And he got mad at somebody. Uh, one of the women was from his past, and she's the only one that said no to him. And there was a big thing about, I'm like, what the hell is this? And he's like, you can't say no to me. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What are we doing here? If it's the one I think it is, it's uh, one of the rare in, uh, indications where uh, Rourke actually interferes in the fantasy because when this guy has yep. his stable of sex slaves. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. It's the implication. No, it's explicit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's explicit. Yeah. So so wait, so in this episode, Rourke, Rourke like steps in and is like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. <laughs> yeah, he stops yep. it. Holy cat. So that was the first episode I saw last week. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, awesome. What the hell is this? Because, you know, why start with the pilot? Uh, so I just threw this one on and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, yeah, it, like I said, that was the big part that kind of sh shocked me for it, that they had. Wow. Yeah. You jumped in feet first, then you're like, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna. This is not the Fantasy Island I remember. <laughs> no. This is not Mel Torme. Right? <laughs> wow. All right. So, uh, Jason, I'm sorry we have to do this to you, but I think we're going to have to cut this one short mm -hmm. and move on, take a break, and come back to do the Fantasy Island 2021. <sighs> if we must, it is the format. <laughs> Hope we haven't spoiled it for you, but we're going to talk about Fantasy Island 2021. So in 2020, they said that they're going to remake the beloved Fantasy Island in 2021. Among many things of 2020, this was a bad idea. Yes. Uh, this was created by Elizabeth Kraft and Sarah Fain for Fox. It is a sequel to the original Fantasy Island television series, and it premiered on August 10th, a mere four weeks ago. Now, Elizabeth Kraft, uh, some of the things that they have been responsible for was The Fix, Angel, uh, Women's Murder Club, Dollhouse, Lie to Me, and The Shield. Some of the other things that they've worked on. Some good shows. This is not one of them. Which begs a question. <laughs> but, so this stars A1, Rosalind Sanchez as Alina Rourke. Rourke's niece, correct? Yep, that yep. is the... That's what they're going with. Kiara Barnes as Ruby Akuda. John Gabriel Rodriguez as Javier. He's the a... pilot? The pilot dude, yeah. Okay. So, trivia. Oh, I'm sorry, wait. We have some other guests for this eight-episode series. Bellamy Young as Christine Collins. Odette Annabelle as Daphne. Dave Annabelle as Zev. Laura Lighton as Nettie. Joseph Josie Bissett as Camille. Daphne Zunga as Margot. Leslie Jordan as Jasper. Do you, do you know any of those people, Joel? Daphne Zuniga, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Josie Bissett, actually. Okay. No. Uh... I don't know. Is that the Leslie? Oh, that's not the Leslie Jordan. I do know who that is. I thought it was somebody else, but I knew who that is too. Laura Lighton. 
You'd know if you saw her. Okay. But not not like big names, but mostly television people. Television yeah. names. Okay. Yeah. So trivia. Yeah. I, lo- I, I looked. I dug. You know I can find stuff. Trivial. Like yeah. the soccer player gets shot in the chest with a shotgun. That's kind of weird. Outside of this was shot in Costa Rica, couldn't find a damn thing. It's still really new, so that could be forgiven, I suppose. Yeah, it's been it's eight, eight episodes and uh, a month. So, yeah, I can kind of forgive it. Uh, I'm assuming it is the first viewing for all of us. Wait, here's some trivia. This oh, is wait. a direct well, sequel to the original Fantasy Island from 1977. I literally just said that at the beginning of the <laughs> bit. So it's not that that's it's not really very trivial. You got that trivia from trivia. me. That that's like true. two minutes ago. That was my fantasy. To, to steal be my able trivia. to do a trivia. Yep, oh. it's been fulfilled. All Peace right, out. you heard it, folks. Joel's on trivia from now on. Be careful what you wish for, Joe. <laughs> hey, that Joel. is sort of the theme in Fantasy Island. Yes. Yeah. Do you, I got some trivia. Do you know this is a sequel to the original? Really? Yeah. Huh. huh. That's, that's good trivia. Just heard a rumor. That's good trivia. It is. Oh. That makes everything makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Oh, I got one. Did you guys know that's fucking terrible? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did. What the hell? They took a, a intriguing but poorly acted show and turned it into couple who have been in love for fifty plus years just ditch each other. Well, I see. I, I that I, I didn't have a problem necessarily with that uh aspect of the show i think the biggest problem uh is that they took they took a few things that didn't matter about fantasy island the two stories uh the uh sort of everything's dark but they didn't really want to make fantasy island they wanted to make black mirror only with a possibility of a happy ending only make it sexy and okay for network tv and I was intrigued by the original Mr. Rourke because he's unapproachable. He's almost an elemental force. I did not need to see the Rourke character making goo-goo eyes as the, at the hunky pilot. Like, when you try to delve into that mythology and humanize that character, you're missing the fucking point. Mm-hmm. Or, or Rourke immediately stepping in and, like, messing with, messing with a wish. Mm-hmm. Well, it also begged the question because she talks about how she's been doing this for 35 years. And what happened to Mr. Rourke? Like, it's kind of insinuated that he's gone, but did he die? Did he pass he away? Retired. Like, like did he, like, fade away into nothingness? My planet needs me. Right. <laughs> was he, like, Poochie? And, like, all of a sudden he got, like, lifted up into the sky and that was the end of his character? I, I, I wanted to uh, know... We're in the transition. Why the transition happened? I mean, obviously oh. Ricardo Montalban. I was going to say the transition is because Ricardo Montalban is dead. Uh, but give us give us a logical reason. I guess is what I'm saying. What you got, Jason? Uh, first off, fuck you, Fox. You canceled Firefly for this shit. Um, and then second <laughs> off, fuck you, Fox. Like this is awful. I I tried. I try. And um. I, ch- I give every show three episodes, and I've got I got through my three episodes. And I'll be honest, if I knew if I didn't know I was coming on the show for this one, I would have stopped after one. Wow, is this bad? Um, there's just nothing. It's just lifeless. The island, like it's nobody's there. And I get it that you're make you're making this probably during a pandemic, right? So you can't have a hundred people in a scene. But like this island looks horrible. Like it, 
there's nothing there's no there's no mystery to it you know they try they try to give you some intrigue but like there is none and then what's the first episode the the news anchor that just wants to eat oh my god and then it goes back onto her childhood horror stories about her stepfather oh my god and then she cannibalizes him yes yes that's i okay i i was when she when she came off the plane she says like i just want to eat I just want to eat with no no consequences, that sort of thing. I turned to Suzanne, and you can even call her and ask her. I said, this ends with cannibalism, putting that <laughs> right there. And damn if I was right. Uh, the other I, thing is, Aideen, Aideen Bradley, who played Mel Akuda, uh-huh. the old man, did they dub the old man's voice in? I think he's actually just a talented actor. Like, for all of the flaws this had, like, bad performances from the stars wasn't actually one of them. It's the script and the entire vision is the problem, not, not like, bad acting. We will be into the other side of the yin-yang there. They, we got better acting, but now the writing is, is crap. Well, and I think at the beginning, I said as much as I love the original, I don't think the writing was ever good, but they took the few things that Fantasy Island had going for it and jettisoned them. And, like, I I expect, I don't know, maybe this is what I expect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, from the very outset on the original Fantasy Island, Mr. Rourke was... A mystery mm-hmm. right out of the gates. You didn't know. I mean, look at these. The He makes comments about them coming in. He has a set of rules where he's not, you know, he doesn't doesn't step in until things go super sideways on the wish. And then, you know, it's for somebody's safety or whatever, you know, that sort of thing where he steps in. He's having conversations with Satan on what, you know, on the lives of the people that are at this island and that sort of thing. And it there's this whole mystique about Mr. Rourke that did not apparently didn't get passed down Mm -hmm. yeah and they instead say well it's the island the island has got all the power and that's not interesting we we saw that i mean lost did that we have Mm -hmm. an island with funny powers but no smog monster well yet you never know i don't know if it's gonna get signed for another season yeah Uh, i don't know i i i I don't i don't feel like i hated it as much as you guys did i didn't love it but i didn't and I don't think I would continue watching it after the three episodes I did, but it, it was, I've seen worse, you know, I, I was a little disappointed that they kind of toyed with the basic formula though. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is this, this was uh, what people who don't look into reboots the way we do have a certain stereotype of what a reboot is. And it's always something negative. This show is what people who don't watch a lot of reboots imagine they're all like, Mm. like it's very rote. It's very basic. I I think Jason was right when he said it's soulless. There's just nothing going on here of, of interest. You were saying, Jason? Yeah, I mean, my other issue is that it's too happy. Like, it's bad writing, but, like, every story has a happy ending, mostly, right? The, I don't know, the grandmother who left her grandkid, you know, so she could go to a party, and, like, her daughter won't talk to her, and she becomes invisible. Like, that even has a happy ending. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, no! That that should not have a happy ending. She needs to learn her lesson, and they, they don't. They go the other way. Like, any chance they could have had, and I don't mean that you have to be dark or, well, have orgies like the old one did, but, like, <laughs> any chance, I mean, it, it would help, but any chance that they had, like, to go one way, like, to go one way and go different, they took the easy way out every single episode. Yeah, the, that's exactly it. They never took a risk on 
someone what like like Black Mirror at the end of the show you you watch and go holy shit what just happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think that somebody somewhere when they're like okay we tried this in '98 we heard that Bloomhouse is making a movie now's the time strike when the iron's hot let's get this show into production what's the premise? Okay, there's an island they fulfill fantasies and there's kind of a aloof kind of you know whatever caretaker okay good go write some stories let's get this thing going and they kind of miss the point the, of the show the good news is the ratings are falling each week for this um this past week it was a one they only did 1.5 million uh which sad as it is is still fourth highest of the night uh <laughs> but uh they lost 40 percent of their rating from last week from week three wow. to week four so i mean there's a chance that somebody could come in, you know, they get a different showrunner or somebody goes, okay, look, the ratings are failing. Why? Look at the comment cards or, you know, the online whatever and go, okay, well, we've missed the mark. Let's retool it. And maybe if they did a little bit of a touch up, they could turn it around. Do you think mm-hmm. they're going to bother though, considering the effort they didn't put into the show? No, not probably at not. All. Probably not. I, it, they, you said there's only eight episodes. Yeah. Is that so far period? So far. Okay. Yeah, I think this is an ongoing series right now. I don't know how long it took them to make all of this in uh, pandemic times. And Mm -hmm. uh, Jason's right. It's pretty obvious the way they had to uh, make the show around their constraints. You kind of see behind the scenes a little easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I watched the movie and just just to touch on it real quick because it's kind of a little bit of both worlds here. In the movie, Michael Pena plays Mr. Rourke. There's an island. He's the caretaker. There's actually a physical thing inside the island that creates all of the fantasies. But there's a dark side to it, and people die. And so it's kind of like they they took the original concept too far, but then took the new concept. And included that too. So they just kind of took, they they met, they missed the mark too. Why does everything wind up on Lost? I don't know. The, I mean, the the movie was okay. Like if if it wouldn't have been called Fantasy Island, it would have been called Murder Island or Island of Lost Dreams. I don't know something. It, it might have worked a little better, and they wouldn't have jammed all this crap at the end that kind of spoiled the the whole thing. But I was entertained. I enjoyed it more than the series actually. Okay, that's something. Considering the the movie looked to me like it wanted to be junior version of Saw with a tropical theme. It was honestly, it was more like the original series in terms of the fantasy start off in a very positive light, but quickly kind of devolve, you know, into this kind of darker tone. And there's something evil kind of, there's a kind of an evil undercurrent to a lot of stuff, but it still felt more like the original show than than this did in a lot of regards, but I don't know. It, okay. That's valuable information considering all we've done is dump on this show for the <laughs> second half. I really wish I would have had time to watch the Malcolm McDowell though. Cause looking at the, the, the premise and the, the storylines and things, it sounds like it's again, missed the mark and took it a little too far in the wrong direction, but at least was doing something interesting. Yeah, I think the supernatural has to be there. Like, it can't be so subtle as like, well, is it even supernatural? No, that's a thing, but it doesn't, like, you, you can push that aspect too far where you're doing Twilight Zone light. So, uh, I, I know, you need that kind of twist, where, like in, in the original 
every now and then you had that little nod for Mr. Rourke and the little twinkle noise. And he and he made Tattoo's magic trick work type of thing. There was always a little bit of a hint to it, but never a full nod at it. In three weeks, when Blake comes on the show, can you please just talk about how great the fa- uh, Fancy Island movie is? Because I think for six episodes of, of our podcast, he ragged on it. And he was <laughs> so angry at it. And I still want to see it. And he just ragged on it for six straight weeks. So when he comes on the show, just talk about how great it was. How you all saw yeah. it. Doesn't matter if you have. Yeah, I don't know that I would say it was great, but I do not regret watching it. Um, you know, and and the the magic aspect or the whatever you want to call it that the show has. I watched the very last episode because, you know, you like to watch the first episode, the last episode and whatever in the middle. The very last episode, he literally turns a piece of marble and a, ma- a dress mannequin into living perfect women for these two guys that are there. And like, literally, like right in front of everybody's eyes, like they're like, boop, okay, now they're living human beings. And it's Uh. like, wait, what? Okay, so magic and all this shit is actually like legit. Like this is exactly what's happening. And that's exactly what was happening. I was a little shocked. It's like, okay, so dude, you're basically just a wizard. Yeah, it's kind of kind of where the way it felt like, okay, well, he's he's not hiding it anymore. Um One of the things about the movie that made me laugh, though, was <clears throat> when Mr. Work was having a conversation with one of the guests, and she's like, so what kind of fantasies do you know people typically have here? And he's like, mostly sex stuff. And then they just kept on with their conversation. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, At least he's but... on us, you know? All right, right. So we got to the point where our own fantasy is to stop talking about this show at this point. A hundred percent, man. All right. So uh, I guess, uh, well, we can thank uh, Jason for being our first uh, host for sep- September. Yeah. I'm sorry it was such a such a movie thing, TV show poop. I, I appreciate you guys poop. wanting to come on. Uh, no, I'm glad you I picked this one or that you guys, you know, threw Fantasy Island out there. Because, again, I never would have gone through you know, the new one as many episodes as I did. And now I know I never have to go back and watch the 2021 version. (laughs) There you go. Um, So uh, if you're out there and you're listening and uh, you have your own thoughts on Fantasy Island or something else we can do, or maybe you want to tell us what your fantasy that would get twisted by Mr. Rourke and the island, uh, what that would be, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast app, such as Podbean or Pandora. You can give us a thumbs up. You can also, if you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it, so leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. And you can also support us. We have a Kofi link in the show notes to help you keep the uh, internet hosting costs at bay. But before we leave, Jason, you are one of the hosts of the History of Bad Ideas. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your show. Uh, it is a round table of geeks uh, that started with just two of us, and now it's five of us, uh, give or take a week, uh, five hosts. Uh, we talk about pop culture. We do listener feedback. Uh, we do a top five list every week. And after 400 and something episodes, that gets really, really difficult to figure out a new top five every week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it comes out every Tuesday night. Uh, and uh, you can find us on all the major ones, um, you know, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, any of those. Um, and we're on Twitter at Bad Ideas Podcast and also on uh, Facebook at the History of Bad Ideas. Yes, people still use it. And um, 
we do a lot of uh, new imitations trailers imitations somebody will just want to watch the world burn uh you know so <laughs> there you go i didn't do that I, movie, was but... michael kane just here i just yeah, yeah, yeah. i felt like michael kane did I, he have I, a know, stroke it's un. <laughs> you know my kids say the same thing when i do impressions dad stop having a stroke oh jeez that's rough <laughs> it is it is it's not by the very... way are we doing thumbs up thumbs down not to sorry forgot to no oh, oh I that's think a good it... call it is tradition yeah let's do it i think it's pretty obvious but let's 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 play thumbs this up. out thumbs up for the original thumbs down for the second for the remake i'm yep. right there with you yep uh oh yeah for if, if we're doing it that way yeah i'm i'm in thumbs up for the original thumbs down for the remake yep yeah well, you can take that home and put it in your pocket. Mm. And uh, we will be back next week with more uh, Hobie goodness, more guests from uh, History of Bad Ideas. I think we've got uh, Jeff yes. is going to be on the show next week, and he's going to be taking my place, so that should be interesting. And they're going to be watching mm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure versus Bill and Ted Face the Music. I'm waiting for that show. I know, right? And Patrick's going to have to watch uh, Keanu Reeves' movie now. Finally! <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Secret, secret, I got a secret. <laughs> Did you watch that Fresh Pots yet, Mike? No, I'm busy drawing a penis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it nice. uh, <laughs> The fact that Mike just said it that way is funnier probably than the actual drawing.